It's Filmsy. We're going to be talking tonight about everything, everywhere, all at once. Hit movie from this year premiered in March at South by Southwest Film Festival. I saw it on April 8th at Belcourt Theater here in Nashville, Tennessee. My best friend, Landon, here, he saw it and had a huge impact on him uh, when he was a student at University of Tennessee Knoxville. He's now at Vanderbilt. We discussed how much we appreciated this movie, how interesting it was. We talked to Rylan, you guys know, as my co-host here on Filmsy. So guess what? We're going to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. So if you've Googled that movie to try desperately after seeing it to see somebody that would talk about that, hopefully intelligently, you found the perfect place. Also, we've seen this movie. We're going to assume you have. There will be spoilers. We're going to talk about anything we want. So don't Listen to this if you're thinking of watching the movie or you plan to watch the movie. Turn us off now. Come back when you have and we'll talk about it. We like to go further on Filmsy. We like to talk about themes and metaphors and what overall the filmmakers were trying to say. And then we like to talk about kind of superlatives and what we liked especially about the film. I've talked enough because the two people that you're going to hear from tonight are super intelligent, super analytical, and super fun about film and television. Landon, Ryland, we'll start with this. What jumped out to you if you could say one thing that made this unique or made you really like or made you really appreciate this film? We'll start with you, Landon. Well, it has to be the way it implemented the multiverse concept. So in the time span of a year around its release date, it was the third multiverse movie. It wasn't as big as the two Marvel ones, which was the third Spider-Man, second Doctor Strange. And those really just used it as a way to bring back characters from past comic book movies, like all the Tobey Maguire guys, the Andrew Garfield stuff. And it was really just more like, hey, remember this cameo? Remember when this character was played by someone else? That was weird. Like a lot of the Marvel movies, it just kind of felt heartless or just kind of there. It's like, wow, it's cool. It's uh, This character is played by someone different. And that's really it. With this movie, it's the same core five people, really. The family and then Deidre, Deidre, the IRS lady. Mm-hmm. It's really just the same characters across so many multiverses, so many different iterations. It's all the same character. They're always the same. They are different in some ways, and it all parallels together and just really just brings together the heart of it. Because for the concept of the multiverse, it's easy to kind of get sucked into the big overarching stuff like, oh, it's this universe is on universes and it's so giant, but... Everything Everywhere, we've joked about a bunch, it takes place in an IRS building (laughs) and a couple small sets, and it really just helps it feel grounded because for such a small concept, it's easy to get kind of lost in just the magic of the idea, and then you fail on the execution. With this, the idea just serves as it should be. It's the vehicle to drive home the themes and messaging of what the film is trying to say. Roland, when the creators of Everything Everywhere to Landon's point, saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which we've reviewed before, is an outstanding film. When they saw that, they panicked and said, oh no, that's part of our idea. People are going to think we're stealing this. Oh no. But Landon says it correctly. It is definitively a different take. But when I was referring, when I said Spider-Man, I was talking about No Way Home or whatever the latest MCU one was. Into the Spider-Verse is amazing. And it... The Spider-Verse is part of the multiverse and it it helps with what you were saying is like there were different types of characters. One was fat, one was this or that. So it still works. But they, in fact, the the two creators were terrified when they saw that because they thought the cat was going to be out of the bag. In fact, it wasn't. Rylan, I want to hear yeah. your first thoughts on this, and I want to hear what you think about how it compares to we live in people are really interested in this concept. Into the Spider-Verse, for me, was an amazing animated movie. Not so much, I mean, they did they did the multiverse 
pretty well, but not so much because of how well they did the multiverse, but because of how the same character could be different in different multiverses. This is the opposite. This is how the same person in different multiverses can be different versus like how Spider-Man can be a number of different people, right? So nobody watched everything everywhere and said, oh, what a ripoff. But what if this was your pet project and you knew and you put so much already because obviously this was filmed and wrapped right as the pandemic was happening. So they knew they had this, they were developing it. (laughs) I bet it would be really fearsome to start seeing this stuff and be like oh no (laughs) surely which indeed no one thinks that but you don't know that when you see that in theaters and your concept isn't fully formed i can see that i mean i can understand that i don't think they had anything to worry about marvel has done the multiverse thing for years and years maybe decades you know in the comics when the spider-man movie came out it was just riffing off of of what what has already been done a number of times in a number of different comics and not just marvel i think they were pretty safe because They did it better than, in my opinion, than anybody has done it yet. I made the mistake of watching this before Doctor Strange. And so when I went to see Doctor Strange and I watched the multiverse that they had created there, I was just kind of bored. Everything is ground. It's just you have different skills. Everyone is on the same Earth and the multiverse is just as in the movie. It's different timelines, alternate universes, just all the ways your life could have gone. And so it hits a lot more because we can see like when she leaves with Wayman to go to America, we see so many different branching timelines of her life, starting from if she had stayed versus if she had gone. It's the same character. It's just small differences. It's not the whole world is different. It's just the end of the day, the whole world is the same if she's this karate actor or she's right. struggling laundromat person. But it's she's just, different she's, because of those yeah. decisions. Yeah, she's different. That makes it more interesting because you can just see how she changes in each dimension when she has those skills and she sees a life she could have had. I think the commentary, of course, is our life, our world, physically, the physics of it don't change a whole lot, but our lives are very different based on a few decisions, uh, a few very important decisions. Of course, we make decisions every day that, that will impact in small ways our life, but I love the commentary there and they visit that because I think Evelyn is certainly in that part of life where she does consider those decisions, but I think it's more like she lives in the shadow of those decisions. Obviously, that's, I think, a major theme of this movie. I took notes, of course, and so I'm going to go more or less in chronological order. We'll do these as quick hits, but if you guys want to jump in, I'll go alternately. We'll start with you, Rylan, and you just tell me what you think. The first thing that jumps out as me is, although they're immigrants and there's very different sides, Jamie Lee Curtis is just outstanding in this movie, but of course it's it's real cringy how she talks and talks down to, be, to them because they don't have English as a first language, but it makes you think about the universal experience of cross-cultural issues, right? So for example, like it doesn't matter who you are, your parents' expectations the difficulty in marriage, no matter what language you speak, no matter where you are, there are certain generally universal challenges and issues. And I really think that that is an early theme of this film. What, what did you think of that, Ron? The moving to another country, be, kind of like being foreigners. I don't think that translates to everybody, right? I mean, I can't say that that's an experience I've had, at least since not since I was really young, and, and we did live in a foreign country for a little bit. No, I can't say that I, I've experienced that before, but dysfunctional family stuff, I think everybody has some well, of that. Well, not even dysfunctional. Like, we all want to live up to our parents' expectation, just like Evelyn. We all, marriage is a wonderful uh, device, and it's also a real challenge, right? So, I think they're seeking to have these universal concepts. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, when the family 
family is not getting along or when there's a lot of stress, really. And that's really the main thing, right? There's extreme amount of stress. How do different people handle it? And that's a universal thing, right? She handles it by trying to be have it all together, have all her receipts in order and everything. And, and her husband handles it by putting googly eyes on everything. As and, say, he's trying to, to find joy where he can. And that's she's, right. She's trying to just keep pushing. Yeah. Um, and she sees that joy that he's doing is just ridiculous. It's not helping at all uh, in her eyes, at least at the moment when, in fact, it's like the best thing he can do to try to help her remember and stay grounded that, you know, that life isn't all just about these these bills and these receipts and all this other stuff, I think. Landon, you mentioned the IRS earlier and all of this. So I'm a CPA and a former auditor. The audit is a source of dread and tension that can be universally understood as difficult. They use that as a great vehicle for to just really stress people out. Well, what did you think of the use of that? You mentioned that although we're talking about all these multiverses, ironically, there's just a really a, a relatively small number of sets in this film. Yeah, coming into it, I had absolutely no idea. So I was lucky enough to see it in when when it temporarily released in like big chain theaters. So I got to see it on the big screen. I also saw it at the Rhyme and I saw it at our place. But it's seen on the big screen. I had seen one trailer for it a couple months ago and it looked really crazy and wacky. I had no idea going in it was going to be so like emotional and down there. So I had knew his multiverse. I was like, well, all this crazy stuff's going to happen. And then it's really just like we said, it's really basic, honestly, because it's like she knows karate or she can spin a, a riot shield like a sign. And that's really it. Like, and you mentioned earlier, just the early themes of everyday struggles and the relatable relatableness of it. The film does a really good job of being really, really funny and lighthearted in a intended way and not like oh we're trying too hard like we're making all these funny quips and look at all this wacky stuff just a lot of it's like evelyn mistranslating stuff and her family initially she, they don't understand how she tries to explain the multiverse and then wayman just being a positive ray of sunshine and his him bouncing back between him and alpha raymond and his confusion right. does a really good job of being funny and lighthearted, and that just makes the emotional beats and the sharp moments just really hit like when she goes to the karate universe to get away from deidre and she sees how awesome her life could have been she tells him to his face i saw all my life without you it was amazing <laughs> it's not into this so like much. a ha ha like wow that's that's really cold it's like oh that is just Ooh, that's that hits so hard. It's both, and that's what you're describing. In in most great movies, they take their themes seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously, and it's really hard. And you only see kind of the best of film and television play both sides. I mean, and it is so good because it's the very serious themes about how interpersonal relationships and our closest relationships are our most challenging, and it is funny throughout. Rylan, Jenny Slate is briefly in this movie and is so good. She is a longtime comedian and improv person. She did a season on SNL. I was surprised to see her and I was really happy she played so well. But you tell me, Rylan, if you would agree. Jenny Slate is, of course, has the little dog and does the whole thing. A lot of people know her as Mona Lisa Saperstein from Parks and Recreation. Is she the personification of what immigrants might dislike about white people throughout this movie? Is that because she's she's a caricature? Did she come across that way to you? I think that that might be correct. A bit annoying, and she was kind of insensitive, right, to 
their they were insensitive to each other she called her big nose yeah which yeah, i think was, yeah, is they right. want you to wonder if that's even anti-semitic but i don't know that evelyn would know that was anti-semitic but yeah, so they make it really complicated and i really like that yeah it's pretty and, straightforward and, i think with the big ahead. nose it was just she has big she has a big nose and for evelyn that's just like a distinguishing thing right but you understand like the oh, yeah. filmmakers I understand, understand like, the, content, the complexity yeah. is like if i yeah. said that it would be anti-semitic and yeah, it the, would be yeah, the subtext is definitely but there. she's being critical and she's being insulting but it's it's just like if you're the idea partially is that Evelyn is living in a foreign world, <laughs> you know, and so her attitude is going to make her offensive, whereas her husband's attitude it makes him delightful regardless. And I think that's why they included that, because I found it the first time I heard it pretty offensive. And then I thought about it and kind of deconstructed the fact that, oh, Evelyn is just she's just um, harried and unnerved and stressed and kind of. Uh, is okay with with offending people. <laughs> yeah, she gets a little mean when she's stressed out. Rylan mentioned this earlier. The googly eyes are throughout the film. How do you interpret that if you were going to say metaphorically? This is a film where it does spell out a lot mm-hmm. of the themes, especially in that in the kind of the second half of the middle act, which is part two. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but I think like with the googly eyes, it's finding your own little source of happiness or positive, like your own little ray of sunshine in a world that can definitely not be like, Wayman puts them up all over the place in the dull laundromat, which is symbolically of their failing marriage, their fraying family, their failed business, which is tearing your lives apart. And that little bit of happiness, it's so dumb. It's like, it's googly eyes. He throws them everywhere. It doesn't really make sense. I mean, he does it for a reason. It makes him happy. It makes him feel good. And that matters. And that's one of the big themes that they hit on over and over. A bunch of characters say like, Joyce says like, oh, nothing matters. And then at the end, Evelyn is like, yes, things do matter. And it's how they matter to us versus how they matter on a worldwide scale of this isn't life changing, but it matters to me. Like the googly eyes, you could take them away and their family's life would not really change. But for, it makes Wayman happier. It makes probably makes the mood of the laundromat a bit happier. And that does matter. It doesn't change the world, but it changes and it affects people. And that's something worth doing. So Wayman is played by Kihu Wan. The entire cast, of course, is um, phenomenal. Kihu Kwan, Rylan, I always love to stump you. Did you realize that Wayman is the short round character from Indiana Jones? He's the Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones character do you realize yeah. he's the little kid from that yeah this and was also actually... goonies because I, I you know i love to <laughs> just blow your mind on here i was hoping to blow your mind no i wish i knew that going in I, that was one of the reasons i was really excited about this movie and i wasn't really i didn't have high expectations for his character because he has not done anything that i'd heard of in years and years since he was a kid right and i don't think he actually i think he got out of acting for a while acting because he you know a lot of people of color get typecast he graduated from usc film school and he just wasn't getting roles so he entered he still worked in entertainment and in film but he's done a lot of choreography for stunts and he's uh he's been an uh, assistant director so he stayed in the industry but he's not stayed in acting because he graduated i think in 2002 and sadly there's just very limited and very careful character-driven uh, opportunities for for people of color. So he's re-entered at a time, and he was very, from what I understand, after watching Crazy Rich Asians, uh, he was uh, interested in re-entering acting because he thought maybe there were going to be more uh, more roles down the line. And then, of course, he he had to get another agent to try out for this, and he did. And now he's, of course, going to we're going to see him in other things because he's wildly talented. And I think it's a really, really difficult role to play for all these characters. It's got to be slightly different, but I think especially for him, I was super uh, interested in, and they write him so well. The googly eyes is, as Landon said, is demonstrative.
illustrative of, of how he tries to, to make everything in life a little bit better. The saying is that I've heard a lot, we can't avoid pain in this world, but we can avoid misery. And I think that applies to balance and that dynamic applies heavily to Evelyn and to Waymond as a contrast. I wanted to talk a little bit about how amazing he was in this movie. It was going to this movie, uh, again, I was saying that I didn't have high hopes for like his character in particular because I hadn't seen him acting. You just figure that that's because you know they, they weren't getting roles because they kind of got older and, and lost the talent. But he did not lose anything. He was amazing. I think he had one of the best acting roles in the movie, aside from, of course, Michelle Yu, who was amazing. Everybody's great, but the way that he changed from one character to another was really, to me, like one of those things that that is really easy to appreciate about acting. You might not appreciate maybe some of the more subtle things that other actors do, but that huge change from just like one character to a completely different type B to type A personality, different facial expressions even down to everything he does seemed to me like just an amazing feat of acting. I was really, really happy when I saw it and saw how well he did and appreciated that part of it. He kind of makes the film to me because Evelyn is really good. Michelle Wong, I believe, is the actor's name. She has a great performance, but I also think just the way she's written, like, I don't want to take anything away from her. It just kind of feels like natural, like the film is centered around her growth and it wouldn't be as good if she wasn't so good, but that impact would still be there. Early on, it kind of seems like he's kind of straying into himbo territory. Like he's so nice and sweet, but it kind of right. seems like he's just dumber, naive. Right. And But then as it goes on, especially in the, I want to say it's in the Karate universe when they have their heart to heart in the alleyway and they just show it, it's like, no, he, it's a deliberate effort. He's not... Yeah happy and nice he doesn't have a good world outlook because he's too dumb not to like he's just he's not letting evelyn take on all the hard work and the stress of living life and he's just moseying around because he doesn't get it he's making a deliberate choice in a way he's putting on that really happy nice mask to help the people around him and to get through life and that was really hard to do because re-watching it i can kind of see that because he's funny he's really charming and sweet and he's a little oblivious in ways that aren't like my character just kind of dumb and that makes it funny it's more like understandable oblivious and out of a good heart but you can see like those little moments of pain is like he understands what's going on he gets all this stuff yeah he, and he, he faces the same tension and he he chooses and it would be difficult for him to take it the way he does. And we, as you're saying, as the film goes on, you see that, that it's just his decision to take life the way he takes it. So I think an example of that, Landon, and, and I hate to cut you off, but an example of that, really early in the film, the filmmakers do a really good job of the music and everything is just lets you know the self-imposed tension in Evelyn's life. It's just really tense. And I found myself having a little anxiety about every time. So, so like early when they go down to the, to the laundromat, she looks on television and he sees people dancing and she goes away. Like her life and, and the idea of her life is, oh, I want to be somewhere else, right? So she fantasizes of dancing on TV. Behind her, Waymond is dancing with the, the old guy. He's dancing in real life. He is taking a situation and he's choosing to dance, right? Did you guys feel like the movie, I felt like the movie was filled with those very subtle sort of things. And a lot of it is, especially early, about the choice of how to take life, how to respond. It does a good job of just dropping like so many of the details really early on. And then they bring it back once they start bringing like the Alphaverse versions of characters to bring them to the IRS building. So when it gets to the meat of the movie, they're not introducing anybody new at that point. Like everyone's been introduced in some way and their shtick of that, their character, like the dog lady goes directly into like how they try and fight and stop Evelyn mm -hmm. early on when mentions, and it's kind of, it kind of ends up being a throwaway line. Cause it's, 
gets explained so much that he explains like when he's showing her how the multiverse works it's like every decision you make leads to a branching universe and so on and so on they and then evelyn explains it and it gets repeated over and over how that works and the way the screen the film shows it it's like these big major moments it's like does she stay with her father and i assume it was china they never specified the her home country or does she go to america does she fall and like stab out of her eyes and become a singer all this stuff but for why why notice this time when i heard that line was like every choice we make like every stressing that part to me like every choice we make no matter how small does change our lives and change the world around us and it works and i'm sure we'll get into it later just joy and kind of what she represents and how she responds but just that idea of everything we do does matter on some level even though we only think that the big stuff does I thought it's one of those things that definitely got lost in just everything going on. It's just something they used to explain the gimmick of the movie. And it kind of gets like the explanation doesn't is kind of vague. That was something that really popped out to me that last time is because it feels like he really stresses like that. He says like every choice you make. I love that, Landon. Brylon, let's segue that. Yes, Evelyn has a different look on life, but she was born into a different look on life. I loved her memories, right? We see her memories flash very quickly. The first memory, the first memory, Rylan, is her being born and them looking at her father and saying, I'm sorry, it's a girl. So she carries this disappointment through her life. And then a little further, it's like Landon mentions that decision, that crucial decision, stay with your father or take a chance on this person that loves you and go to America. I think her whole life, is she's kind of treated like a disappointment, although she is not. When they go, the very quick flash, this movie needs to be watched more than once, by the way. The very quick flash in the laundromat, he sees something where she says, this is gross in here. And he says, this is all ours. <laughs> and I think for some reason, like, especially in that culture, the male and the in the female dynamic is I think he was allowed to, I think, see things on the bright side and have a little more optimistic because we got to understand the context of especially when Evelyn would have been born is it might have been a disappointment for her to be born as a girl. They don't mention that for any, they don't put that in the movie for no reason. It's like some of this stuff is uh, sort of ingrained and sort of put in into your instinct from the very beginning. I really like uh, how you picked up on the dancing thing from earlier. And it's not just, you know, you said uh, how it's the decisions you make and how you see things differently with what life throws at you. And I think it's even more than that. I think it's, it has a lot of ideas of like what you do in the face of like nihilism or this idea that nothing really matters and what reason do you have to like go on or do anything and I think that's a big theme that we see when you're talking about how she sees things versus how her husband sees things they have that choice right they have that choice of like how am I going to react to this universe that that just throws curveballs at you and doesn't seem to care about you at all and how do we react to that and there's healthy ways to do it and there's unhealthy ways to do it I think mental health is another huge theme of the movie that comes out with all the crazy stuff that's going on in her head and it's really hard for her to concentrate right it's almost like she's got some adhd or something well Um, the character does is meant to have adhd that's astute and it's also really astute the theme of nihilism as to say nothing matters because evelyn is not a nihilist 
she just acts like one most of the time. And so Joy, pretty early on, when she introduces the idea of the everything bagel Landon, that's her idea. Let, I don't. I want to be a nihilist, so I so none of this matters. I don't want either, so I can not care anymore. Eve, I think the idea maybe is that Evelyn has inadvertently like made Joy a nihilist because although she isn't a nihilist, she does care about things. A lot of ways, she acts like she like none of it matters because she doesn't enjoy any moment. Really, she doesn't seem to enjoy any moment ever. How I would say she's not like a nihilist. She doesn't have those sense. I think it's more like she's just so stressed. She just never has the opportunity to feel joy. Yeah, that's what I mean. She's not a nihilist because when yeah. she, when Joy says nothing matters and when they're on the precipice there, she's so uh, upset yeah. that she feels that way. Yeah, and it's funny that you say she kind of makes Joy a nihilist because she literally does make Joy a nihilist. Technically, it's like the alpha version of her, but like the alpha version of her, like pretty much abused her daughter and broke her mind and made her like a kid so i assume like the joy was roughly the same age or like maybe like a year less because the alpha world is like destroyed so like joy is like a teenager and her mind gets fractured she sees like infinite possibilities she sees everything about life after having a rough upbringing and that just kind of pushes her over the edge I noticed that on the second watch, I think just how one of the themes like you talked about is like the expectations of her father and just like generational just trauma or pressure. It's paralleled in how Alpha Evelyn, which I assume the way the movie kind of implied the Alpha verse is like not the best universe or the first universe but it's like the central one because it's the one that knows how to get around to the other universes it's like it's the best one for evelyn because she was smart enough to figure out the verse jumping stuff so in a way it's the i'm, I'm gonna call it the first universe the first version of her creates Jobu Tabaki, abuses her daughter, pushes her into this nihilism. And then this later version of Evelyn, which could kind of be seen like an offspring or a descendant has to fix that. And that's one of the themes because she stands up and overcomes her, just the pressure and kind of implied just disappointment and emotional abuse from her father, the main Evelyn. And in the end, she fixes the all the emotional damage Alpha Evelyn did to Joy. And then I think like with Joy being a nihilist and it not being nothing matters. It's more like from what I understood is like from her perspective, when she can see everything and she can just see from my experience, like she can see everything all the time, all that stuff. She, I just imagine like knowing everything about how your life could ever go and just seeing where it, how it could all lead up. And I assume like in every timeline, Evelyn isn't a good mother to some extent because she, Joy mentions that at some point, like, just being around you just makes me like feel bad to paraphrase and like just seeing all that stuff just knowing like there's always this pain there's always this heartbreak being able to see literally i guess in a way like the futility for someone because i assume like the jobu depaki is the is the alpha joy so that's alpha joy is jobu is jobu depaki for so it's an abused young woman who's had a really rough life who literally like has her mind overloaded in a way that we can't comprehend she ends up telling evelyn like she wasn't looking for her to kill her she was looking for her to see like was there a version of her mother that was good enough to give her a reason to understand that life was worth living to some point and even just like so that she wouldn't go alone because even though like jody Tapaki is like this interdimensional like god almost she can do whatever she wants she's unstoppable at the end of the day she was still that st- that scared, abused young girl that was just trying to find her mother's love and approval and to sing, is it out there for me at any point? The nihilism and the revenge and all that is only to shelter her from pain. Joy's in a lot of pain. Her name is Joy. So when you have a child that 
inherently there, there's joy there. But the joy is compromised, right? Some of it's subtle, some of it's not so subtle. It's all very well done. Speaking yeah, of she's Rowling, the antithesis of joy. Like her own emotions are like the complete opposite. Right, but not instinctively and not in the beginning. So we're not saying, oh, joy is a nihilist and whatever. It's like joy is trying to disengage because it would be easier that way. And that's kind of the point of the whole thing. This movie is mostly about what Evelyn has to learn about life. And she has learned it, you know, in pretty extreme ways. It's beautifully done. Speaking of that, from a film perspective, and I wondered, Rylan, if anything jumped out to you, like the cracks in the camera, they repeatedly do that. That was ambitious and a bit of a risk. I thought it was like perfectly done. What did you think overall of just kind of the the chances they took with, with actually making this film? I thought that they, that it was really well done. I love how you said earlier that they take the theme seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. And those were the big risks I saw in this movie. Like things like Raccoon Cooey, uh, Hot Dog Fingers, the crazy other universes that were just almost thrown into the movie to do exactly what Wayman is trying to do throughout the movie. Just throw googly eyes at the movie itself. They're just silly moments that make you laugh that don't add a whole lot in the, of themselves but they play into the theme of like just not taking everything so seriously and finding the joy in just silly things. You know, I, I loved how they played with so many rich, deep themes and they did it in such a way they, like you said, they didn't take themselves seriously, but they took the themes. Just, man, that is just a really good way to put it. Landon, the choreography of the fight scenes is, of course, excellent. But in they, the way they separate this in the first movie is like they run the credits when she's watching the, watching the first part of the movie as a movie. It's so good. But in a way, the second time I watched this, I really can't remember the first movie or first part of this movie, per se. Landon, isn't it essentially a kung fu movie? It really is. And I know that's a big part of culture. I think it's a it's an homage to that because there's a lot of great choreography. I didn't think of that the first time I saw it, but in large part, especially early on, a fight movie, a kung fu movie. Yeah, I noticed that too because we stopped after part one because we had some stuff to do around the place. And I noticed like part one is hour 20 minutes of it's two hours, 20 minutes. So it's like 60% of the movie. I'm going to say like of the remaining 50 minutes, probably 45 is part two. Then the last is part three, which is the ending and then the credits. So the majority of it is the action and just the fun stuff. And part two is just really dense with the themes and just the emotional moments. I'm not really, I still don't really know how I feel about some of the characters just being so blatant about the themes like Joy and Wayman and how they kind of spell out like what they symbolize and like how they feel. I guess not bad and it's just like sometimes just that subtext but at the same time it does feel in character for them it uh, it did for me like i'm i'm really big on not insulting the intelligence of the audience i never felt they crossed that line but i see what you mean yeah like the characters are well written enough to where it's not like hey audience here's the theme this is what they mean. But yeah, I noticed that too, because the first time you watch it, you're just, your mind is overloaded with so much stimuli that you don't really think about it. Part two is so emotionally dense that you're just so engrossed that you don't notice it. But part two doesn't really have, I want to say, any action outside of the final fight on the stairway leading up to the everything done, because it's all just... So end of part one is she dies, quote unquote, in the movie. And then it cuts back to her in the IRS building. And that's when her mind fractures and she hits her lowest point. Like she just kind of gives up and all the universes just start to crumble and she gives up. And it's just really drawn out. I was watching another review series talking about it. It was like, 
oh, that would be like their Oscar moment. Like when she's at her lowest point and she, like the universe where she breaks the building and she divorces Wayman and all that. And then normally that would be the, like the Oscar version would be well cut. It would hit you hard, but it just keeps going and going. And it kind of works because you just feel that sense of dread and you're just kind of wondering how it can fix itself. And then at the end you, you get a bit of an action scene, but it's not really action because she doesn't really fight them. She just like does something like nice or good or like something like yeah. positive to them. They're just neutralized. She like she doesn't fight back. It's not kung fu like you mentioned. And just paints a good contrast because early on like she's mm-hmm. like fight fighting them, and then later on she's just subduing them, neutralizing them. And he, and Wayman like directly tells her like remember to be kind right before she fights them all. Roland he unpacks a lot there, and I think he kind of nails what they're thinking. Like in the end, what Evelyn has to learn. For me, as far as like you had the the idea that uh, the creators of this film. They knew where they wanted to get to. I think they did an exceptional job of the vehicles they used to get there. Like, for instance, how they constructed the verse jumping, right? Where you got to do something so odd that it, it triggers something. So the paper cut scene was so good because it's just so hard to watch. And all the I, different I, ways that they, yeah. the way that, that they so pull that off, they could have lost a lot of people in that movie, Rowan, but they did just such a flawless <laughs> transition there. Well, I just wanted to say that a, a lot of the fight scenes are really the reason that I can't watch this movie with my oldest daughter, which I would love to do, but there were so many like, weird inappropriate ways to like it's a kung fu movie sure but you know i I mean you know there's scenes where i I don't even feel like yeah yeah. the butt plug scene is absolutely hilarious and it's just so cringy and so perfect and then it is yeah in the weird use early on in the movie of the penises and i think they they transition from (laughs) penis to hot dog later and that's so funny but yeah there's some so weird and awkward Um, i think it's supposed to really trigger and i think it's supposed to be so spontaneous it's supposed to be fry your brain a little bit right like i felt like i had ridden a roller coaster after i watched this at the bell court and yeah. i think that's the point well and that's that leads into the question that i want to ask landon when i was uh i think a senior in high school a movie came out it was 99 and it was called the matrix and i had to sneak into the movie theater because i was 17 and in tennessee you can't see an r-rated movie when you're 17 or at least you couldn't when i was in high school and so i watched that movie and i came out and i was just like i have to watch that movie again and it didn't just change the way I watch movies from then on because it definitely did that but it really was like a philosophy I never heard of of like possibly being inside this matrix and your life not being real and I just had so many things going through my head um I know Nathan has said that you this was a big uh, influential movie for you was this your matrix is this your generation's matrix or am I going a little far when I say when I talk about that I don't think so because one it's an a24 movie so it doesn't have that same appeal although I I believe it set the A24 box office record. I remember seeing something like that. So it's it did. it's really big. It's big, but it's obviously like not the Matrix. It doesn't have the same name brand guys, although I I think guys like Keanu Reeves kind of got big off that role. All right, think about it this way. As far as like not not necessarily like box office and, and big names, but like did you walk away from it the way that you walked? Did away it change the, the way you thought about song, movies you know? and yeah. even like? Did it make you think about things you didn't, you never thought about before? Things always saying. So is it is it the seminal movie of people your age as far as like movies can be this? You know, this is amazing, right? Yeah. Or have you already gone so. through that with something yeah. else? I don't think so. I think just there's so much good content out there in general. Like at this point, it's hard to really do something completely new. Obviously, they did the multiverse concept in a way that's completely original, and the whole story and everything was its own thing but at this point like the matrix was new i'm sure 
sure it's like the first big movie for the theme to be around like the simulation theory. Like, do we live in a computer program? Stuff like that. Really making you question reality. But I just feel like with the internet growing so big and so many shows and movies being made, like the core of nihilism and why does life matter? Stuff like that. I think at this point, like especially for my generation who's grown up online, who's gone through a bunch of stuff with COVID and everything, it's not new. But for me, I said it when I first watched it. It was my favorite movie of all time. I've found a way to better describe it. It's my favorite movie of that part of my life. Because that part of my life was a really rough spot for me mentally. I was in a bad place. I was going through a lot. I hadn't started therapy or counseling yet. And I related to Evelyn a lot because she just kept stressing about like, especially like with the temptation of like, what if my life was different? Like, what if I had just done this one choice in the heat of the moment? Like, Nathan mentioned when he introduced me, I was at UT then. I had gotten so close to getting into one of my dream schools coming out of college. And all I could think about was, did I make the wrong choice picking which English teacher to write my recommendation? Because one of them was my AP teacher, who I was kind of a jerk to. And I was like, oh, I asked her, like, can you write me one? Because you'll be honest about who I am. But then I had another one who was a standard teacher who loved me and I was had a great relationship with, but I didn't pick him because it was standard. I'm just thinking, did I ruin my life? Like, did I have to just put all this pressure on people to help pay for my college because I didn't get a full ride like I forgot to do all my scholarships because I was so busy trying to get into these elite schools like all these mistakes I made just feeling that pressure and just wondering like if I just done this one little thing differently my life would be so much better but then you watch it and, and for me I'm a lot better now I'm past that point so I don't think it's would be this my the favorite movie for the me I am now but for the me I was then I think I really just need that message of yes our lives could be a lot better we probably have made the wrong decision that has led us there and we really wish we could change it but all we can do is work with what we have they tell Evelyn multiple times like you can't give into the temptation this wasn't your world like you would still be living a false reality and that's and that helped me a lot because it's like I said just all that pressure of wondering like man I messed up and I just wish I could take it back but we can't take it back and even though my life I, it's gotten better, but it still has, I still have my issues. Like, even though there's all that stuff and there's, I'm under a lot of stress. I just, sometimes I'm wondering like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? The little things matter. Like, like when Nathan and I watched this on Sunday, we went over to a close friend's place. We hung out with her dogs and one of them is really old and really sweet and she loves me. And just seeing Mackenzie, which is the dog's name, just nuzzle between my legs for a couple minutes. Just that made my whole weekend. It was something so simple and unimportant in the grand scheme of things. Like if I didn't see Mackenzie, my life course would not change but it changed me a little bit and that matters i think that's that's really the well nature of this film because yeah there's some good choreography there and there's some hilarious stuff and but i think this is the runaway hit of in film across the world this year and it's because how we can all relate to evelyn and some of us way more than others and we can all relate to evelyn at certain times in our life landon puts it out beautifully that that's why this movie means so much to people because we all are evelyn aren't we and at certain points because we need to just stop and enjoy the best parts of life because evelyn is not like this arrogant awful person she's just trying to do everything and be everything she ever was supposed to be and she she looks and thinks, why? Like you mentioned this quotes earlier. She says, I saw my life without you and it was beautiful. He needs to come back. He needs to know how great my life could have been. But he says, every rejection has led you to this moment. And that's what Landon so beautifully says there. Like we can think about 
should have done this, done that, but we're here and there is joy. No, I think Landon, that was really well said. I, I appreciate that. It sounded to me like what you were saying is almost the way I walked out of the Matrix is kind of the opposite way that you walked out of everything, everywhere, all at once. I walked out of the Matrix and I was not prepared for that movie. I had almost no idea what it, what I had just seen. <laughs> I didn't relate to it so much as just like wanted to figure it out and it blew my mind in a good way. But this movie, it sounded like you were ready for this movie, that you needed to see it and that it was helpful for you. And I totally understand that. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. And that's a really beautiful way to put it. I do think that this movie is a good movie and not just like good in the sense it was well done, but it's a good movie in a sense that it really can make you think and be more positive and be a better person. All that stuff, if you really listen to the themes and look at it, you know, have an open mind about how that can affect your life. That's kind of cheesy. Sorry. No, it's not. And Landon says earlier, the reason why he was more ready for this movie because he's been more inundated with a larger spectrum of film and television. Whereas 20 years ago, 20 years ago was not that long ago, but in the idea of technology, it was a really long time ago because we saw stuff when it came on movies or when it was on cable. There was no streaming. There's none of that. There's a lot more stuff being made and there's a lot wider spectrum of stuff being made. So I think he's been more inundated with stuff. 20 years ago was a different time in seeing stuff. The quotes, there's so many great quotes in this and a lot of them come from Evelyn because although she is stressed and she she's not always sympathetic character early she says unintentionally hilarious things that she doesn't hear but like just all the funny stuff but joy why do you look so what does she say why joy why do you look so weird why first look scene so stupid why do you look so stupid with <laughs> she's, she's just wearing like the when she has the pig right yeah when she fights the cops the first time which is oh. an incredible scene yeah why do you look so stupid because she's dressed so he's the she's alpha got the crazy outfit on right yeah. 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 She yeah, she got one of those the infinitely crazy outfits. And she has the pig on the leash. Exactly. It, it must have been fun to do outfits in this movie, by the way. Uh, the costuming was like a yeah. lot of the smaller details of this was so good. And they take these concepts that are so dumb, but they pour them in so well. There, There's genius in filmmaking there. The everything bagel, right? But yeah. we got that. Everybody got that, right? And the hot dog finger thing is so weird. Like I said earlier, I think it, this movie is supposed to bend your brain a little bit. And I, and I really like that because you're going to see something that you're not going to expect seeing. That's why the penises are in there and all that, because it's trying to really kind of challenge you in a, in a sense way you're capable of anything because you're bad at everything <laughs> evelyn cannot kill joy yeah that that was one of the things i was a bit interested in not interested in but it really stood out to me like the first time you watch it because it makes it to be at like oh, she's this universe destroying threat like she's gonna end reality unless you kill her and then she never once like even tries to hurt her like hurt joy no matter what like the alpha alpha wayman mm. alpha gong gong that's her dad's name i think like they tell oh, her to wayman. kill joy yeah. mm-hmm. and like she never once tries to even like hurt her daughter even though emotionally has hurt her in the past like we see at the beginning of the movie and a couple of flashback scenes she doesn't try to intentionally hurt her daughter and she even goes yeah to evelyn like, has a lack of awareness she doesn't have a like a notion to be awful but yeah, she's what, yeah. she's led Joy down the same road regardless. Yeah, yeah that's what really stuck to me because especially in rewatches, it's like usually in these movies, like when it's going to be this tough emotional decision you make, like do I save everyone else or do I save my daughter? Usually it's like there's some struggle. But Evelyn right away is like, no, this is stupid. I'm going to I'm going to save my daughter. And she just disregards everything they say about like verse jumping and your mind fracturing. And she just tells them I'll become like her so I can save her. And she, it's not like I want to have all this power i want to stick to you it's just i care about my daughter i want to save her that's the end of it i'm not gonna hurt her oh yeah 
So the idea is Evelyn would do anything for her family. She loves her family more than anything. She just doesn't live day-to-day life like that. So you see Waymond as kind of his sweet self in the beginning. And then you see when they in the van after the, they talk about the divorce and just the pain and loneliness. And then you see Joy's pain and loneliness. So Evelyn has, has been tough on her family. Not intentionally, but she has. And so if this movie has a point, it's this. What is the point? of life? And the answer is the people most closest to us. And that's why she would never kill any version of Joy. And now she's hurt Joy, but when it comes down to it, she would never under any circumstance hurt her. She learns that she has to go, like you said, she has to learn so much to save her. She would do anything to save her. And it's about how there's a lot of things that we do on autopilot and they're very hurtful. We have to pay more attention to the people that matter most to us. That's the point of this movie. And this sums us up perfectly. We're all useless alone. That was one of those things that definitely flies over. I mean, I still can't remember. It sounds like it's like in the middle. Yes, it's point. in the middle. It's um after the first rock scene oh immediately like, after when that. her and joy are the rocks mm-hmm. so that rock scene it could have that could be it could have that could be the point of the movie where it could have ruined the movie where it's like oh i'm not going to take this seriously anymore but in the aggregate in the way they did it it's just a and she chases her around any level that they are and i think like it shows evelyn and joy has to be shown that because evelyn hasn't she doesn't show that just, evelyn would go to helen back for joy and it takes an episode like this all this stuff for her to prove that to joy and evelyn though has to also learn herself that like yeah you can die for your kids or whatever but you also like on the normal day-to-day basis you got to treat them well and listen to them yeah. and be open-minded or that other stuff you know doesn't matter because they in the end you're just gonna lose them oh that's the that's the great assertion of this movie for sure yeah i've got a question for speech this is i think for us just obviously oscar contender right i mean i'm it's been my favorite movie all year and i've seen some pretty good ones why in the world did this movie come out so early in the year this seems like an obvious late in the year Oscar contender movie. What's the deal with that? That's a good question. I think they wanted or they came to terms with South by. I don't know that they expected to be the runaway hit in this country. I think they thought it would be a big deal, but you're right. It's not when they would typically come out, but I think this was on the shelf for during the pandemic. I think that the timing of to actually get pretty good run in theaters, they just probably did it because they, they finished filming on this more than two years ago would be my guess is they, they just had, they had to cash in on this. Landon, what do you think? I'm not a big movie buff guy. I don't really watch anything in theaters. So I don't, know just how a24 does versus the big blockbusters but it feels like just i didn't see anything about this movie except i went to go see the batman which came out like a month before everything everywhere and there was a trailer for this that's the only way i knew about this i don't know if it had a big marketing campaign online or if that's just how a24 works it just didn't have i just a lot of attention i believe like a lot of it's like word of mouth because i saw i just told all my friends online like hey go see it it's really good they released it i want to say a couple weeks before the new doctor strange so that window where they released it, I think, was the only time, especially with how COVID screwed up the movie theaters and how they're not that full. That was really like the one three-week window where there weren't any big blockbusters out. Because like over the summer, there was so much stuff. And as soon as the new Doctor Strange movie came out, the theater that I saw Everything Everywhere at was, it was done. It was just like all Doctor Strange. There's no more Everything Everywhere showings. I haven't seen what the the movie schedule is in the fall and leading up to wherever the cutoff is for the Oscars. I think when they released it, was honestly the best time for them for it to get traction because just A24, I feel like is really hard to get that attention 
attention unless it's just really, really good. Yeah, I think yeah, you guys are right. I didn't overthink it, yeah. Yeah, I think you hit on something. It was a really good time of the year this year after pandemic for movies to come out. I think there are some movies in the past few months, especially late last year, early this year, that made a lot of money that really probably shouldn't have. Because there's, like, there's, right. there's nothing out there. A lot of stuff hadn't been able to be filmed. There yeah. was always going to be a dearth of stuff because it, it's like production of anything. You're not going to see the fallout until you know a year later and they're just yeah, because just, just a lot of stuff hadn't been made because when i got my batman ticket it was like there's batman there's like three other movies and this was like a real cinemas which is a big chain and there's just nothing going on late march when there's usually plenty of stuff and so i looked this up and read it somewhere so the cgi like the computer team for this had to kind of learn the software on the go it was five people i believe which makes the film even more outstanding for all the visual effects and how clean it looked and it actually worked in the in its favor because it couldn't just green screen the background it couldn't use computers to fill in all the gaps like Marvel does because they don't have the capacity for it and it really made them work around it. Like you mentioned, the set design, the choreography. I get all hits because I'm, I'm sure they got a set for that IRS building and did it in person there. And it really just sells the movie because... All the multiverse stuff pops more. Not only does the IRS setting kind of make things grounded, the computer stuff being so minimally used and it just pops because everything else is so realistic. And I was, when we watched it yesterday on your TV, Nathan, the quality and just the way the, the camera, I guess the, I don't know, the quality, just how smooth it was. It felt more like I was watching a TV show than a movie. When those effects come on screen, it pops because it's so blatantly not that so smooth effect. I think there was a vision for that, not just the fact that they had to shoot it like that. I would consider, and I think this will mo- most obviously be a very influential film from a filmmaking perspective moving forward. Because they did take a lot that we had seen before, but there was some innovation, maybe by necessity. But I just think the way it looks and the way you're describing, I think we're looking at um, it a very important movie. Uh, Rylan, you were asking about other movies. Uh, I think this is going to be a runaway hit. I don't know who cares, who knows about the Oscars, but I I think this will be looking back 2022 will be the year of everything everywhere you see a lot of movies that over time are very influential but you'll see the influence of that movie in movies for the next 10 20 years well that's what we have for filmsy tonight i would say this is probably been my favorite episode of this podcast i can't thank landon and rylan enough for being on uh, everything everywhere all at once if you've been listening this long you've seen it you loved it too i bet a uh, really great discussion really fine film and i hope that uh, there's a movie this good every month or even every year for me to watch in the rest of my lifetime i love this stuff you guys keep listening to us follow us and teach somebody how to use the podcast if they don't know and if anybody ever mentions everything everywhere hey I heard a good podcast. Send this to somebody, and we just appreciate you being with us. Appreciate you listening to us. For Landon and Rylan, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, Landon.